You're listening to Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling, hosted by myself, Harley R. Padgett. And me, Emily Fear. And our team of correspondents known as the Glitterati. This week on the show is the second installment in a new series that we're doing called Living Legends, where we attempt to provide sort of the definitive biographical history of some of the greats working in women's wrestling today. Last time around, we looked at everybody's favorite, Veda Scott. This week, uh, yeah, if you, if, Em, if I ask you to, to name like a legend currently wrestling in women's wrestling, who's like a name that comes to mind right off the top? I mean, there are many names that come right off the top, but there's really only one that, com- that, automatically surges to the forefront and it is this week's subject which is mercedes martinez 20 years 20 years plus mercedes martinez has been wrestling everywhere wwe aew impact stardom shimmer like you name you name it she's been there and setting records and then breaking records it's it's a wild career it's in and someone as it incredible as her as such a great wrestler and personality as she is it's also crazy how all over the place she's been that that none of these big companies just wanted to scoop her up and put her under contract for 10 years and say you're our top person for the next 10 years it's insane to me when you we're going to get into this but like when you look at her body of work and when you look at the accomplishment the accomplishments that she has had in her storied career and you look at her just undeniable abilities someone could have been making money off of mercedes martinez for a decade plus like it and it's not as if she is someone who is an acquired taste or you know has a type of wrestling that doesn't really work for major companies or even a look that doesn't work for most major companies she has everything and is the total package and has been for her 20 plus years of wrestling and yet it took what like when she got signed to a major company, how long was she in her career before someone finally made the smart decision to say, hey, we can make money off of this person? It's a weird, wild, long ride. But it's also worth noting how different the world of women's wrestling was 22 years ago when she got her start. So let's start at the beginning. Let's get into all of it, because this is the life and career of Mercedes Martinez. very beginning november 17 1980 it is the brass city waterbury connecticut when jasmine benitez is born she's of puerto rican descent she's fluent in spanish and it's her stepdad who really gets her into wrestling she's nine years old he starts taking her to wrestling shows as a youth mercedes thinks she's gonna be a basketball player maybe work on like a swat team that'd be kind of cool 
I, I could 100% see a alternative timeline where Mercedes Martinez is some kind of like special teams op. Growing up, she's thinking either SWAT team or basketball. She's good at basketball. She plays a lot. She's doing it her whole childhood. But she's also bullied growing up in Connecticut. Bullied to the extent where other kids are throwing garbage at her. One time they let her hair on fire. And as a result, she does try to take her life more than once growing up. But she makes it to high school. And in high school, she's playing basketball. She's playing softball competitively so well, in fact, that she gets a full college scholarship thanks to basketball. Her high school yearbook quote, as many of the great wrestling nerds of the time would be, was the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, of course, quoting Bret Hart. Mercedes ends up at Taikyo Post University, where she majors in criminal justice. So I guess, you know, on the track to possibly being a SWAT team member, right? Yeah, absolutely. See? Special ops. But she's still playing basketball, and she's still thinking, maybe I can go pro with that until an injury on the court changes everything. She gets injured playing basketball, and it's because of this, she can't play basketball anymore, really. Or maybe she could once she heals up. But while she's on the DL, while she's healing up, working on her strength and conditioning, she finds out that there's a wrestling school in her hometown. A wrestling school run by former ECW television champion, Jason Knight. And she says, okay, I'll give this a shot. Let me go check that out so I can, you know, work on myself, keep in shape while I'm waiting to heal, while I wait to get back to basketball. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, you know, injury never happens in wrestling. So she she definitely picked a, a safe choice to help her recovery along. So October 2000, she ends up at Jason Knight's wrestling school in Connecticut. Wrestling quickly becomes a way for her to deal with all of this aggression that she's kind of had bottled up in her since she was a kid, since she was bullied her whole life. Her early influences are, as I mentioned, Bret Hart, also Ricky Steamboat, Eddie Guerrero. You can see this in her, for Mm -hmm. sure. When she starts at the school, Jason Knight asks her, what type of wrestler do you want to be? And she says she wants to be a luchadora. Now it's Jason Knight who comes up with the ring name Mercedes Martinez. Quote, He always said the Mercedes is one of those flashy, classy cars. He said people should pay to come and see you. You got to give them a reason to want to see you. You got to bring class and something different to the table. Not everyone can drive a Mercedes, so you've got to be that person. But it's seen Jazz in ECW that really changes everything for Mercedes because Jazz is just herself. She's her, her own woman. She's not trying to be a diva. She's not trying to look like a model or something that she is. And Jazz is just Jazz from day one. And for someone like Mercedes, who was a tomboy growing up, who wasn't really interested in makeup, jazz is a game changer for her. One month after she starts training, Mercedes wrestles her first match, which seems crazy today. Four (laughs) weeks of training and you're like, okay, you're good to go. Yeah, I don't know what the average timeline is like now, but I feel like it takes a solid year before you see anyone who has started training perform in any like capacity beyond outside of the like the gym itself and her first match is intergender it's against a man named juice of course it is because like lest we have to remind our listeners who already know this so they don't need to be preached to but like 
the vast majority of women, especially at this day and age, when they were in wrestling academies, when they were in training schools, they were training alongside and with men and by men. And a lot of these women, their first their first professional matches were against men because probably they might have been the like one of three women in the school itself. Maybe not even maybe one of one of one. So, no, not unusual at all, especially especially at this time period. And that one match is all it takes. She finishes the college semester, but she doesn't go back. She decides, I'm going to f- pursue wrestling full-time. When Jason Knight's school closes, she goes to the Wild Samoans school. And she doesn't actually end up training there or enrolling as a student there, but she does meet and befriend the Wild Samoans, and she becomes kind of a protege of Afa of the Wild Samoans. They're still very good friends today. So early 2001... Mercedes is going with a bunch of friends to a New England championship wrestling show. Her friends are booked on the show. She's just going to watch them and support them. But when a different wrestler on the card, no shows, they ask her if she wants a match instead. And that's where the wrestling adage is always bring your gear. So Mercedes offered a match on the card against Kurt Adonis. He's a student in one of her other classes, so they know each other. They like each other. She loses to Kurt, but the crowd loves her. The crowd is all about Mercedes and behind her. And it's 2001, less than a year into her career. But if there was footage from this period, you wouldn't really know the difference because she looked, acted, presented herself exactly the same as she does today. She's always been Mercedes. She's never had like a strong gimmick in the sense of, you know, some wrestlers have like, I'm a teacher, I'm the saucy librarian or something she's never had a gimmick she never had a particular look she just kind of dresses how she dresses she is who she is she says i'm latina i'm a tomboy i don't wear makeup this is me yeah and that can be that can be limiting in wrestling that requires so much on like a visual signifiers to get the audience on board with you you know you have somebody who looks like a heel and looks like a face somebody who's playing a heroic character that looks heroic someone who's playing evil and looks dark and mysterious but Honestly, for me, I think it's a I think it's a huge strength that from the get go, she wasn't carrying any kind of, you know, idiosyncratic gimmick or something that was going to get dated quickly. She was who she is and she still is who she is. And she's performing in much the same way that she was when she got started. So to me, while it doesn't have that marketability of like instant recognition, it's still so smart to play to your strengths. And if your strengths are I'm a good wrestler. I'm good at what I do and I'm going to be, I'm going to continue being great at what I do. I don't need a lot of flash for some people, Mercedes included. That's all, that's all that is needed. So 2001 Mercedes gets this random match in an ECW just because somebody else drops out. She loses to Kurt Adonis, but the crowd loves her and an ECW promoter, Sheldon Goldberg sees something. He sees, wow, the crowd really responded to her. So he books a rematch the next month. And the next month, Mercedes goes over. And again, the crowd loves her, and Goldberg sees something in Mercedes. So he decides to bring her in full-time and build an entire division around her. There isn't a women's division in ECW at this point in time, but he sees so much in Mercedes that he decides, I'm going to build a division around you, bringing in women like Ariel and a Japanese wrestler named Sumi Sakai. Oh, I, I recognize that name. Mercedes ends up spending five years in NECW. She becomes their first women's champion. She challenges for the men's title on at least one occasion. But obviously it's the Indies, right? You're not going to compete full-time for one 
promotion. So while she's doing stuff in NECW, she's also wrestling lots of other places. She goes to Chikara and she wrestles against Mickey James and Eddie Kingston. She goes to CZW and she wrestles Sumi Sakai there a bunch of times. She wrestles Sumi Sakai in multiple promotions, actually, like lots of promotions, lots of different places over many years. Our first match on our playlist we found online is courtesy of the title match network, but they don't have the name or the date of the promotion listed in the video. It's just Mercedes versus Sumi Sakai from the best of the independence volume three. So I don't know where this is from or when this is from, but I included this one as the first entry in our playlist just because it's, it's classic Mercedes. It's Mercedes and Sumi back in early 2000s doing their thing, looking, both women, looking pretty much exactly the same as they do 19 years later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the great things about Mercedes and Sumi having so many matchups over the you know, early years of Mercedes' career is that, you know, they they were clearly well matched. They were clearly both people with a tremendous amount of talent and, you know, into their like later into their career, they would continue being standard bearers for women's wrestling in this country. And this is a this is a good match. Yeah. I was I was like my expectations were low because it was 2002, 2003 and knowing what the standards were like back then, knowing how women's wrestling was treated in general back then, this is pre-Shimmer. This is pre-Knockouts division. My expectations were low and I'm like, this is a good match even by today's standards. They're doing flips, suplexes, they do a camel clutch, they do a sit-out powerbomb. You're not seeing this in some women's matches today on the Indies. No, but you are also seeing two legends work. So it's not, It while I was kind of surprised by how how fresh this match still feels. I wasn't surprised at all that these women are delivering in it because like, there's a reason why these women have the careers that we may have. And that's not something that even had, I'm sure it took time to develop in a lot of ways, but it, it's apparent so early on. And there's a reason why Sumi is such a, is such a legend in that she was, she was the women's wrestling for companies that didn't have women's wrestling. And Mercedes you could say the same for Mercedes. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed seeing this because um, it's been a long time since I've seen like early, early matches of either of these people, but this one, um, this one was fun. And you, you can see Sumi work more of a heel role in this match, which I thought was great. Cause I always love Sumi as a heel. And Mercedes is doing the Fisherman Buster already. Mm-hmm. Less than a year <laughs> or two into the career, the finish of the match as she goes to the Fisherman Buster Sumi avoids it and hits a tornado DDT for the win. So again, Mercedes Martinez 2002, pretty much the same as 2022. Arrived on the scene fully formed. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's been finessing there and probably added movesets, added stuff to the moveset. But like, really, what you see is what you get. And what you're seeing is tremendously good. It just works. So she's doing NECW regularly. She does some appearances in Chikara, in Combat Zone Wrestling. She goes to IWA Mid-South and mixes it up with Mischief and Mickey Knuckles. And in 2004, she debuts for a Florida promotion called WEW. WEW is sometimes known as Women's Extreme Wrestling. Everything was extreme in like 2003-2004. But WEW also sometimes stands for women's erotic wrestling. 
this this is 2004. So this is your this is setting the, the stage for women's wrestling in America in 2004. Women's erotic wrestling has shows with names like Cleavage and Carnage or Nude and Nasty. Okay, so Nude and Nasty is not good, but I have to say I kind of love Cleavage and Carnage and I were to run a wrestling promotion, I might have a show called that. Well, the cage match reviews of WEW are filled with adjectives like exploitative, trashy, dubious. (laughs) There are are quotes like barely qualified as wrestling. (laughs) Commentary that even Jerry Lawler would be embarrassed of. Quote, actual porn shown between sections of the show. It sounds super classy. (laughs) But this is women's wrestling in 2003. This is, you know, Mercedes is taking what she can get. Um, while in WEW, you know, besides the porn and then the objectification, uh, the offensiveness doesn't end there. She faces Sumi again in a deportation match where the loser gets deported from America. Because one is Japanese and one is Puerto Rican. Uh, she also takes on Simply Luscious, ECW standout. In a Stairway to Ecstasy barbed wire baseball match. What is a Stairway to Ecstasy? It's just, uh, I, I'm sure it just means that, you know, they're getting aroused by hitting each other with a baseball bat. Uh, oh, God. That's my assumption. Oh, boy. While there, she challenges Angel Orsini for the WEW Championship. Mercedes doesn't win it. But that's a, a sense of kind of what women's wrestling is like in a lot of places in 2003 we need a hero we need we need a shining light we need we need something to to shine in the distance luckily fall 2005 dave prazak allison danger shimmer women athletes it's a new all women's promotion dedicated to bringing the skills and respect afforded to joshi wrestling to america Mercedes wrestles on the very first Shimmer show, November 2005, taking on Sarah Del Rey. We've watched this one before for, I want to say, our Shimmer Spotlight episode, uh, maybe a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. But this was one you can go, you can go back to over oh. and over again. As, okay, so I have watched, just, uh, just spoiler alert, everybody, I have watched the matches on our match list more than once multiple multiple times this is a match that i have watched no less than five or six times on commentary prezak is talking about this is a first time matchup this is the first time mercedes and sarah del rey have ever been in the same ring together it's babyface versus babyface who in and it's the first show from a new promotion so i'm sure a lot of people are like oh i'm excited for this these are two great wrestlers but i don't really know what to expect here Right? Maybe we're setting our expectations too high. They're great wrestlers, but they've never been in the ring together. What kind of chemistry do they have? But they're about the same size. They're about the same stature. And pff, come on. What do we, we get everything, right? We get a Paradise Lock. We get a Powerbomb, an O'Connor Roll. We get a Dragon Sleeper. Like, everything you want is in this match. And what's most interesting to me, Sarah Del Rey was more established at this point. Mercedes, again, has only been wrestling four years. Sarah Del Rey is considered by most to be like the best female wrestler in America at this point in time. And they're raving about her on commentary. She's been in Japan for the past year. She's trained under Brian Danielson. A year and a half after this show, Sarah Del Rey will become the first Shimmer Champion. So there's all this talk about Sarah Del Rey, all this 
fawning and gushing over her. So it's a real testament to Mercedes that she doesn't lose. She's booked to go again to a draw, a 20 minute draw against the woman who will go on to become the number one face of Shimmer. I get emotional talking about this match in particular from this first card because the, the entire the entire first Shimmer show, which we have covered, is worth watching. Um, in so many ways, it feels like you are watching a women's promotion of now because everything that you see in North American women's wrestling um, now is is in debt, is in such debt to Shimmer. Um, but this match in particular, the fact that you are seeing someone who has established creds go up with someone who who whose experience in professional resume just doesn't quite match, but has that promise and has that fire and has that momentum is so, um, so it's, it's just such a relief in the weirdest way, because when I watched the first shimmer volume, I kept having this trepidation in, you know, knowing how important the promotion is and knowing the credit that it has, it was silly to feel this way, but there was still a part of me that was worried that, someone would look ridiculous or the commentary would cut someone short or it would, it would do something that undermined the talent. And instead every step of the way, the commentary is selling what a big deal this ma- this first time matchup is. And then to go to a 20 minute draw and have the crowd so enthralled with what they've just seen and knowing that this is going to lead to the future of this, of this like icon of the business. I, yeah, I just, I get, emotional every time I watch this match apart from the fact that the match is just dynamite to watch it's so back and forth you have no idea who's going to come out on this every, yeah I probably everybody in the audience watching this assume that Sarah Del Rey would would win this match but at a certain point it becomes this thing where it's anybody's it's anybody's chance to win and Mercedes has every bit the power and the talent that Sarah has and I think she's proving herself every step of the way it's 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 just, it's such a good match. It's so good. It's so important. <laughs> it's, you watch this and you're like, this is important for women's wrestling. This is important for wrestling. This was a important moment. In the arena, they get a standing ovation. And after it, as the videos go out and as they start to spread around, it's widely considered by everyone who sees it as the best American women's match in years. Now, during her early tenure in Shimmer, she's mentored backstage by Lexi Fife and Melia Hasaka. And this is an influence that really sticks with her. This teaches Mercedes about like the importance of having like locker room leaders and having mentors in wrestling. And those are all things that really, she really internalizes and carries with her going forward. Shimmer, at this time, also has a working relationship with Ring of Honor. So that leads to Mercedes making her ROH debut, March 2006, Best in the World. It's a foray match with Mercedes taking on Daisy Hayes, Allison Danger, and Lacey. And of course, of course, how could they not? WWE comes calling. Three months after this Shimmer show against Sarah Del Rey, Mercedes makes her televised debut for WWE, wrestling on an episode of Sunday Night Heat in a losing effort to Victoria. Victoria, perfect wrestler for Mercedes. Just like Sarah Del Rey, they're similar size and physique. You know, if they put Mercedes in there against someone like a Stacey Keebler or Kelly Kelly, you'd be like, I don't know about this. But Victoria is one of the best wrestlers on the WWE roster at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. 
respect this match because, you know, this is your your typical of the era match for WWE, typical of the era of women's wrestling in WWE. But if Mercedes was going to lose to anybody um, in a match like this at this time, Victoria is someone that I am comfortable with seeing her take a loss. The commentary on here, the difference between 2003 and today, the commentators talk about how um, how much of a standout Mercedes has been, quote, on the independent circuit. I'm like, whoa, WWE acknowledging that indie wrestling companies exist? Bizarre. That's insane. <laughs> Other than that, though, um, so this is a trial match for Mercedes. It's televised, but it's a trial match. It's a chance to see what they do. So it's short. It's only a couple minutes long. It is still a WWE-style match. You know, there's no submissions here. It's a lot of running the ropes and kicking, a lot of clubbing. There's a couple suplexes. Nothing. It's not. It's a far cry from the Seattle Ray match. It's even a far cry from the Sumisakai match. And in the end, Victoria wins with the Widow's Peak because, you know, she's a wrestler on the roster. Mercedes, this was just a tryout. And it's not her first tryout match for WWE, actually. But it is the first time that she appears on television. It's the first time it's not a dark match. And she hears positive feedback from the guys backstage. They call her a diamond in the rough. But it doesn't go any further. She doesn't She doesn't get asked to come back. She doesn't get signed. I, I, I think the world of wrestling is better for that. Um, because her her place in that company... For her to have any chance to shine in that company, it we needed a culture shift. We needed a full culture shift. And that was not the time. In a December 2006 interview with Slam Wrestling, Mercedes says, In a perfect world, I'd be in the Fed. But right now, I prefer Shimmer and Indies because that's what the competition is. They're looking for TNA. Not that I'm knocking it, but I prefer wrestling in front of fans like Shimmer and Ring of Honor fans. Yeah, I mean, this is a woman who has done her time in women's erotic wrestling, so she's not uh, knocking the, the need for titillation or the women who get a paycheck from it. But she's right. Like, the, what she can do, that 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 year, that age of Mercedes Martinez was very smart and savvy to understand that she could accomplish more for her, her, her career itself and for her abilities in ring by doing time where there actually was competition. 2007, Mercedes has major shoulder surgery, and she's forced to take a year and a half off from wrestling. She says, I was in a constraint type of sling for almost three months, 24-7. I couldn't really take the sling off. I had friends help me dress, shower, comb my hair, even help me eat. I literally had no use of my right arm. By the sixth month, I had to go through a process called manipulation, in which they knocked me out and literally moved my arm in every direction possible to break up all the scar tissue that built up. That was just as painful as the surgery. <laughs> but she perseveres. May 2008, she returns to the ring full-time. One of her first promotions back is a New Jersey promotion called Women Superstars Uncensored, WSU. In WSU, she's wrestling men, she's wrestling women, and then she starts feuding with Angel Orsini. Now, she had history with Angel Orsini going back to WEW. Angel was the champ there. Mercedes challenged a bunch of times. Couldn't win the title. Goes away for surgery for two years. Comes back. It's Angel Orsini again. This time in WSU. Angel is the WSU champion. And again, Mercedes can't get it done. They feud 
for ages. They feud for like a couple of years. Summer 2008, she takes on Orsini in a false count anywhere match. Orsini wins. Fall 2008, they go on a, a traditional just singles match. They go to time limit draw. January 2009, they go in a steel cage match. Orsini wins. And it's not until finally, finally, in March of 2009, title versus hair at bull rope match. Mercedes wins. She keeps her hair and she beats Orsini for the WSU championship. She spends the spring of 2009 defending against a couple different people. And then that June of 2009, she faces off against Orsini again in a 70-minute iron match. At the time, it is the longest women's wrestling match in history. Think about this. WWE at this time, Raw and SmackDown, you'd be lucky if women, like the best women on the roster, you got like a Victoria against Mickey James, they might get nine minutes, maybe 11 minutes on a pay-per-view. Mercedes and Angel are going 70 minutes on an indie show. And Mercedes retains. Mercedes ends up going on to hold the WSU championship for three years. And she defends against Mickey James, against Awesome Kong, against, of course, Sumi Sky, and against her hero, Jazz. January 2011. Angel Rossini is back up to the top of the top of the order, back up to the top of the batting order. This time it's a ladder match. They've done it all now, man. They've done bulwark match, they've done false count anywhere, they've done steel cage, they've done iron match. Now it's a ladder match. Mercedes retains. August 2011, 2011. Mercedes defends the WSU championship against Alicia Edwards. This time in a 73-minute main event, breaking her own record from two years earlier, and setting a new record for longest women's professional wrestling match in history. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, um, if you look through the longest women's wrestling matches in history, Mercedes Martinez easily dominates the top five. <laughs> just to set the record is one thing, and then to break your own record two years later, is just like, that's just showing off. Come on. <laughs> I mean, she does Iron Woman matches. She does... She does Iron Man matches at 70 minutes or more, um, it, like with the ease of people who do 35 minute long matches. As a result, in 2011, Bleacher Report puts her on one of the, their list of the 15 hottest female free agents. And she's right there alongside Serena Deeb, Mia Yim, Billy Kay. They note at the time that Mercedes' three year run as WSU champion makes her the longest reigning champion of any notable indie promotion today. Male, female, tag team, any independent promotion, Mercedes is one of the longest reigning champs of going. But after three years, everything must come to an end. She finally loses the title. She drops it to Jessica Havoc. They trade it back and forth, though. Like She loses it to Jessica. She wins it back, loses it to Jessica again. And along the way, they have what might be the very first women's casket match in history which ends with Jessica Havoc retaining when Mercedes is attacked by Lufisto and she spins off into feud with Lufisto. As we said, she's always been Mercedes Martinez from day one. That was her name. She was Mercedes Martinez. She looked like Mercedes Martinez. She wears the pants. She uh, has the, the, the piercings, the tattoos, all that stuff, right? Yeah, always. With one exception. <laughs> Not quite as bad as women's erotic wrestling, but given it a run for its money, was Wrestlelicious. The year is 2008. A 19-year-old, 
Powerball lottery jackpot winner named Jonathan Vargan. Jonathan Vargan, 19 years old, he wins the Powerball lottery jackpot. He wins $35.3 million and decides, I'm going to start my own wrestling company. And John, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I want $35 million tomorrow. I'm doing it too. I love that it was a 19-year-old winning the lottery that started a company called Wrestlelicious. Now, where, where me and Mr. Vargas differ, if I won $35 million to start my own wrestling promotion, I don't know if I would start by thinking I should team up with Jimmy Hart, um, one of the guys who produced Glow, and start a company that's like very much like Glow, like a new Glow for 2008. Especially in 2008, Glow felt a little outdated, I think. Yeah, like when um, when WoW came around, WoW came around at a time where there was the appropriate nostalgia for Glow. And I, I can't remember exactly if the timing syncs out, but like around the same time that the Netflix series about Glow, based on Glow, came out, that's when, you know, uh, women wrestling superheroes, wow, like that's when that came about as well. So like that's an understandable thing to riff on. And it's not a bad idea. It's just at this timing, like you pointed out, this doesn't seem to be the right era for a nostalgia trip like this. But the roster is stacked. Oh, God, it's a really good roster. It's not just Mercedes. It's Serena Deeb, Madison Rain, Daphne, Leva Bates. Like, in 2008, this is, this is a crazy roster. And then to take that roster and say Mercedes Martinez. Everybody knows you as Mercedes Martinez. You've been wrestling with Mercedes Martinez for eight years. People love you. You're well-respected. You have the Guinness record for the longest women's wrestling match. We're going to make you dress like a bullfighter, and we're going to change your name to Maria Toro. Bro. Oh. And we're going to give you a little sidekick. We're going to call her Bandita. And uh, that's the plan. And we're going to tape these episodes, tape a bunch of episodes in 2008. And they'll be aired on TV sometime in two years. Literally, they taped 13 episodes in 2008. They don't see the light of day until 2010. <laughs> um, yeah. Kind of a mess all around. Resolution. I don't. I want to know how much of his millions of dollars Jonathan flushed away in this promotion. I want to know. Did he lose all of his money from this? I really hope he did. Sorry, Jonathan. I hope you. I hope you lost every cent of your thirty-five. <laughs> so they only produced thirteen episodes of Resolution. Maria Toro wrestles three times. She does a trios tag. She does a battle royal, and she does one singles match, taking on Tyler Texas. Tyler, Texas, of course, is your stereotype cowgirl. She's from Texas. She's a cowgirl. She's a good, fun-loving soul. Um, she also wrestles in the Indies under the name Laura Lively, but in Wrestlelicious, she's Tyler, Texas. And there is video footage of this available online on Daily Motion of this match. It's the Mexican Matador with her sidekick bandita. Mercedes wears like a flamenco dancing kind of outfit, you know, with the skirt. <laughs> It's such a confusing gear because she's supposed to be a bullfighter, but she looks like she's waitressing at a Chi-Chi's. And it's very, it's very cartoony. It's like, it's it's like it, all the rest of this just feels like it's presented for, you know, like seven or eight year olds on like a Saturday morning type show. The, the action is very over the top. The mannerisms are very exaggerated and cartoony. And if you stripped, if you stripped all that way, Though, the match itself is not 
bad. It's kind of decent, honestly. Mercedes and Laura Lightly being in this ring. Like, they hit more high-power moves than I would have expected from a Glow knockoff. It has all the worst aspects of Glow in the visual presentation, and but it has something that, you know, admittedly, a lot of Glow didn't have, which is it has a lot of legit wrestlers in there. So it was kind of like Jonathan Vargas. Like, it's kind of like he took $35 million and was like, I'm going to do the, the make the same bad choices that Glow did, but I'm going to do it with people who have actual wrestling experience. And the mix is jarring because there's these moments where it's like, you feel like you're watching a legit match and then you're reminded of just how ridiculous everyone looks. And the, the production doesn't help because the production looks every bit as cheap. It does not look like it was produced in the era that it was produced. It does look like it was filmed in the 90s. Yeah, it looks like 92, 93, not 2008. I mean, it's so, it's so, like, where did $35 million go? This is $35 million in in 2008 money. Like, you you could have had a real professional-looking production here. I'm going to guess that he bought himself a house and a car and a bunch of stuff, and he only put like a couple million into this for his sake. I hope Jimmy didn't fleece him that badly. I think I think at least $20 million went to Jimmy Hart. But yeah, if you can look past the Halloween costumes, and if you watch the match on mute, it's not too bad. Because the worst part of this, by far, is the commentary. The commentary. This guy in commentary, oh my god, the number of puns and bad jokes like wait it if the show looks like the production looks like it's from 1992 the guy is like did they where did they find this guy like 1970 like and it's like some like you know the the third string guest on johnny carson it's so bad it it feels like it almost feels like intentionally bad but i don't know that this is the right era for that kind of like cringe anti-comedy maybe Maybe it was intended to be... Oh, it's bad. Watch this on mute. I haven't seen this much action since Hugh Hefner discovered Viagra. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Uh, it's bad. And honestly, uh, you can watch it, but you could also just not watch it. <laughs> just look at images. As we said at the very start of this episode, Mercedes' career, a long, wild ride. <laughs> because uh, about a year after the Vestalicious shows air, she goes to Japan. She wrestles her first match in Japan ever. Not only is it her first match in Japan, it's for stardom. Not only is it for stardom, it's in Cork and Hall. Not only is it in Cork and Hall, it's against Nane Takahashi. Not only is it against Nane Takahashi, it's on Takahashi's 15th anniversary show. Not only is it in Cork and Hall, for stardom, against Nana Takahashi on her own 15th anniversary show, Mercedes was handpicked by Takahashi to be her opponent, and Mercedes is the first American woman to ever wrestle for stardom. This is a huge deal. Um, Takahashi is a was you know before retirement was a working legend, had worked for All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling, um, founded Seedling, um, like. This is a huge deal, and this match to pick Mercedes um, just means so, so much. Nai Takahashi, huge Maria Torres fan. You know, she was like, just flipping through the channels. In 2010, Mercedes is ranked on the PWI women's list. She comes in number three, behind only 
Michelle McCool and Angelina Love. Huge. This this officially makes her the biggest name on the independence in America. Michelle McCool is the top name in WWE at the time, and Angelina Love is the top name in Impact. So for Mercedes to rank number three is a really big deal in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then in 2011, coming out of this stardom show and everything else, she's ranked number two behind only Madison Eagles, the Shimmer Champ. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to make an argument, if you if someone wants to sit down with me and make an argument that Madison Eagles, if you were to do like a current like all time like working like best, and you wanted to to make an argument that Madison Eagles was somehow like had the edge on Mercedes Martinez, I would hear that argument because Madison Eagles is also a a icon of women's wrestling. The PWI rankings, because PWI is the mo- the most mainstream of all these sources, right? So this gives us, again, real context clues as to where women's wrestling in America is in 2011 in the fact that two independent wrestlers were ranked number one and number two above anybody from WWE. Yeah, this this tells you everything you need to know about uh, the pre or the uh, incoming Divas era. Is this around like when the Divas era? This is peak Divas era. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're wrestling three minute matches and it's all it's all presentation and no substance. So this tells you everything you need to know. Not to dismiss those women, not to dismiss those wrestlers. Need to emphasize that. Just I, we we can we can talk about the constraints that, that were put on them in WWE. We're talking about the restrictions. We're talking about the the way that they were packaged and sold to an audience. Not the wrestlers themselves, many of whom who were capable of far far more than they were ever shown on television. By 2012, Mercedes is already pretty much considered a veteran. I mean, she's been wrestling 12 years. She's a locker room leader everywhere she goes. She's riding high. And then 2014, she disappears. Nope, nobody knows what happened. She just She's there all the time, wrestling everywhere, and then she's not. And she doesn't put out a statement. She doesn't do any interviews about it. Podcasts aren't really a thing in 2012, you know? So most people assume that she's retired, that she just... She just quit wrestling and left. Now, there's stuff going on behind the scenes, and the reason most of this isn't made public is that just Mercedes is not a public person. She like she's likes to really keep her private life private. She doesn't share a lot of things. She will with her friends. She's not hiding anything. She just doesn't like to, you know, air her stuff out. She's like, eh, it's, it's whatever. Like, just, let, just let me be the wrestler. So the reason she kind of disappears in 2014 is that she just got married. Also, she has some bulging discs in her shoulder that need to be addressed. And keeping in mind here, she's been on the road for like six years straight, six years on the indies. You know, WWE, they wrestle almost every night of the year, but probably staying in kosher hotels, maybe getting treated a little bit better where they go. Life of an indie wrestler, you're driving yourself everywhere. There's no rest for your body. There's no rest for your mind. Yeah. No, it's it's a hard road. Like we can talk about everything that she accomplished, but there's a cost to that, and there's a cost to to that when you are also just trying to live your life and you know have relationships and 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 have a family. And I I think that it's more alarming to me that more wrestlers don't just disappear sometimes, that don't take breaks. And I think it's it's um, a sign of that they they can't. If anything, it's nice that she had the the buffer. It's good that she had the buffer and the support in place that she could just disappear from the scene for a year or two so that she could take care of herself. Uh, it 
it's a loss to wrestling for those two years, but it's a gain in the long term because, you know, she was able to take care of herself. And so so few of wrestlers working on the independent circuit can take that time off. So 2014, Mercedes Martinez vanishes, but the world moves on. Things keep rolling. Shimmer is still going very strong, heading into the summer of 2016. June 2016, Shimmer does a weekend of tapings, three shows in one weekend. Night three, the main event is supposed to be Shimmer champion Madison Eagles defending the title against Kelly Skater. But Skater is laid out backstage. She can't wrestle. She's been attacked and left for dead by Tessa Blanchard and Vanessa Craven. They come out to ringside. Tessa Blanchard takes the spot in the match instead, and Madison Eagles squashes her. One minute, she just wipes the floor with Tessa. Hey, if you're not a Tessa Blanchard fan, this would be a very satisfying watch. Post-match, Madison Eagles takes the mic and says, look, that was fun, but you fans deserve a better main event than that. That was like a minute long. Come on. Is there anybody in the back who wants another shot? Anybody? And she's jumped by both UFC standout Shayna Baszler and the Heart of Shimmer champion Nicole Savoy. Baszler and Savoy beat down Madison Eagles, and to the shock of the crowd and most of the locker room, Mercedes Martinez appears. We've seen her in two years. Oh my God, what is she doing here? Mercedes walks out and Mercedes says, I accept the open challenge. Eagles is already softened up by Baszler and Savoy, and Mercedes makes her tap out. Mercedes Martinez is the new Shimmer champion. It's her first Shimmer title reign on volume 85 after being a Shimmer regular since volume one. I kind of love that in the weirdest way because you, you see examples of that throughout wrestling where, you know, people who who the company are built on don't get that championship or don't really take that main title until way later. It, it's something that I kind of love in wrestling because it pays off a long-term investment. So Mercedes is back. She's the Shimmer Champion, and she's got herself a new little stable. They call themselves Trifecta. It's Shimmer Champion Mercedes Martinez, harder Shimmer Champion Nicole Savoy, and new to the wrestling business, Shayna Baszler. I wonder if that Baszler will stick around. Because this weekend of tapings that Shimmer had done was actually Shimmer's debut for Shayna Baszler. And Baszler was trained in pro wrestling by Mercedes Martinez. It was Mercedes who trained Baszler and taught her how to transition her UFC skills over to the world of professional wrestling. That weekend, Baszler had a strong debut for Shimmer. She picked up wins over Rio O'Reilly, Solo Darling, Mia Yim, and now she's in the stable with Mercedes and Nicole Savoy. Mercedes holds the Shimmer Championship for five months before losing it to Kelly Skater, but then she wins it back from Kelly the next day. And Mercedes holds the title again for a full year until November of 2017, when she loses the title to her own stablemate, Nicole Savoy. Now, while Mercedes is Shimmer Champion, she gets another phone call from World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE says, we're putting together a 32-woman tournament called the Mae Young Classic. It's going to be just women from NXT and the Independents. You are arguably the greatest woman wrestling on the Independents. Please. Come compete in this tournament. July 2017, the first Mayan Classic takes place. Mercedes defeats Xylee, uh, Mexican luchadora Princesa Suje, and Kimberly. But 
in the semifinals, Mercedes loses to Shayna Baszler, her her former protege, her former trifecta stablemate. Yeah, and you could uh, you could be salty about this, but Shayna Baszler will go on to be a major player in the women's division in WWE. So, uh, you know, good good for her. good for her. <laughs> While she's in town for the May Young Classic, WWE asks her, "Hey, you want to do a couple of appearances for NXT?" She does a battle royal, and she loses to Ember Moon on television in November. One year later, Mercedes is invited back for the second May Young Classic in 2018. This time around, she defeats Madison Rain in the first round. And then in the second round, legend versus legend, she takes on Miko Satamura. Harley, can you guess how many times I've watched this specific match? I hadn't seen it in a couple years, but hmm, this is one you just go back to over and over, eh? Yeah, I do. I don't I don't watch WWE or much of its subsidiary products. I did watch a lot of both Mae Young Classics because who can resist? Um, but this specific match, I have watched probably a dozen times. Because after I first watched it, I, I stopped it and watched it again. And I think I've watched it at least twice a year since, maybe probably more. The Mayon Classics were fascinating because it was under a WWE umbrella, but they did not feel like WWE shows on any level. Honestly, Michael Cole's on commentary, and you think that would give it like the stink of Raw or SmackDown. But you watch these, and you're like, wow, when he doesn't have Vince McMahon yelling in his ear, Cole's a pretty decent commentator. And he's balanced out by not one, but two women on commentary, um, which offers a lot because he is not the dominant voice and uh, you still have Renee, you, you have Beth, um, both of whom are doing fantastic work, getting every person in the ring over. Um, and Beth on commentary especially is important in this match because she adds so much emotional content to how important both Miko and Mercedes are that it feels as if you are watching, you're watching, you know, someone who is well-established, a, a career veteran, someone important in women's wrestling, watching two other women do that. And like that exchange of respect and credit on commentary goes so far. It is current NXT UK champion, Mako Satamura, who goes over. She kicks out a fisherman buster to a big ovation. She avoids a dragon sleeper and she hits the scorpion kick for the win. Mako is signed as a trainer and as an on-air wrestler. She's still, as I said, four years later, or three and a half years later. She's currently running the roost over on NXT UK. But how do you watch this match and not sign Mercedes Martinez? It's what do you? It's mind-boggling, right? Like, it, it, it's maddening. And say what you will about the main roster and about concerns about where she'd fit in there. Sign her to NXT alone, because this is peak of NXT, Okay. Mm-hmm. At, at the moment that this match is taped, the NXT Women's Championship is vacant. Oscar um, was the champ. She had to forfeit it due to injury. But two months later, a new champion will be crowned. It's going to be Mercedes' old rival, Athena. And then Athena, a couple months later, will drop the title to Mercedes' old take partner, Shayna Baszler. It's like this is this is her crew. This is her people. Her old rivals and her old teammates are the main event title picture in NXT right now. So why would you not want her to be there with them? There's no better time for Mercedes to sign. A couple years earlier, 
yeah, maybe it wouldn't have worked. A couple years later, as we'll see, doesn't work. 2018 was the time, and they I don't know why they didn't. Yeah, this would have been the moment. And once they once they finally got their head out of their asses and, and made the right call, it was after the point in which it would have had the maximum effect. I mean, they ask her to do one more NXT appearance while she's in town. She does a, she does a TV taping. She loses to Nikki Cross. But then that's it. She's just off on her way back to the Indies. Yeah, it feels like she's just she's this traveler. Now, we'll, we'll rewind a little bit. 2012, Shine Wrestling is started. It's the sister promotion to Shimmer. Mercedes appears on their first 18 shows before she goes off on her two-year uh, disappearance. When she returns to wrestling, she returns to Shine. She appears on almost every single show they do going forward. While in Shine, she challenges Ivelisse for the Shine Championship twice, but she doesn't win the belts. Instead, she forms a tag team with Ivelisse called Las Sicarias, and they win the tag titles. They hold the tag titles for 14 months before dropping them to Twisted Sisters, and Mercedes goes back to trying to win the Shine Championship. She tries to win it from Lufisto. She can't do it. She tries to win it from Allison Kay. She can't do it. So this takes us into December 2019 for Shine Wrestling. It is a Lucha de Apuestas. Mercedes versus Allison K, title versus career. Mercedes is either going to win the Shine Championship or she's going to retire from professional wrestling. Luckily, she wins. Mercedes finally wins the Shine Championship, the title that has eluded her for five years. And then she loses it the next day to her former take partner, Ivelisse. So this is weird. This is weird trend here. Shimmer and Shine, both times. Mercedes spends years trying to capture the title, trying to win the big one. She finally does it. She finally wins the big one, and then she loses it to her former take partner. This has happened more than once. Yeah, and she's getting people over the, the whole way, this whole journey, you know? Not that not that she's not competing against top, you know, top quality talent either who are getting themselves over a plenty, but like it just to me, her willingness to always be in the chase, to be booked that way shows that there's a generosity and, an, and a mindedness that is geared towards the whole picture and everybody in it rather than just herself. Plus it creates, you know, endless story for her. So she benefits from it tremendously. I just, I, I think there's something that is so generous there in the willingness to, to be, to play these long stories and to put so many other people over on the way. The influence of Shimmer continues into 2016, when former Shimmer producer Kevin Harvey founds his own promotion, Chicago's Rise Wrestling. Mercedes is involved with Rise from the beginning. She's on screen, she's wrestling matches, but she's also helping out behind the scenes to produce and to train the next generation of wrestlers. And on those early Rise shows, she faces like a who's who, you know, Shotzi Blackheart, Chris Wolf, Ty Valkyrie, Deanna Perrazzo. On a Rise Wrestling show, she even challenges for the World of Stardom Championship, taking on Tony Storm. July 2018, the Phoenix of Rise Championship is vacated. Delilah Doom gets injured. She has to forfeit the title. So Rise books Mercedes versus Tessa Blanchard in a 30-minute iron match to crown a new champion. Tessa wins. She's the champ. But Mercedes doesn't give up. She keeps pursuing Tessa, and so they book a rematch October 2018, a 75-minute Iron Match for the Phoenix of Rise title, Mercedes 
versus Tessa Blanchard. Mercedes once again breaks her own record from seven years earlier, setting a new, new record for longest one-on-one women's wrestling match in history. This record stands today. I have watched this match this 75 minutes. I have watched this three times. So she sets a 70-minute record against Angel Rossini. A couple years later, she breaks it doing a 73-minute match with Alicia Edwards. And then eight years later, she breaks it doing a 75-minute match against Tessa Blanchard. We're just waiting now for that 77-minute ROH title match coming up. Hey, hey, Tony Khan, 80-minute Iron Woman match. So Mercedes not only sets a new record, she wins. She wins the Phoenix of Gold title. And she defends against Kylie Ray. That ends in controversial fashion, though. So a rematch is booked. March 2019, Rise Legendary is the next match on our playlist. Mercedes Martinez versus Kylie Ray in a no ropes submission match. This is this is a fun one in that like yeah, literally they just take down the ropes. The ring posts are up still. Mm-hmm. They take yeah, they, the they take advantage of those, but there are no ropes. There's no counter there's no disqualification there's no pinfall there are a lot of streamers that's true the fans are going nuts for this one yeah well kylie kylie ray this is in chicago area and kylie ray is a hometown hero so she's coming in with all all of the crowd support which is fantastic to see she's definitely someone that is easy to root for but it's fun to see mercedes just very easily work against that and commentary sells it too that you know mercedes is is mostly heel and rise and, you know, quick to like shatter the dreams of little girls who are rooting for Kylie Ray. And, um, you know, at one point she's like smothering Kylie Ray and the streamers that people like threw on her. And it's, it's, it's great. It's a great start to a match that goes really hard. This is the first match on our playlist where Mercedes is really in like full heel mode. Mm-hmm. She's been oh, a baby yeah. face in a lot of these other matches, but here, yeah, she's just full heel on Mercedes choking Kylie with the streamers doing all sorts of, they're to, to each other, to be fair. They're doing, like, sadistic, like, bending each other around the ring post with submission moves. Kylie does a crossface around the ring post. The crossface around the ring post is so nasty looking, and the fact that it's Kylie delivering that on Mercedes is, like, this wonderful inversion. It's always fun to see Kylie Ray matches like this where there's that point where Kylie crosses the barrier of, like, sweet and fun to furious. Um and this this actually crosses over pretty quickly. Mercedes doesn't really let her do anything but react. In the end, Mercedes taps to another crossface, and Kylie Ray is the new Phoenix Rise champion. Three months later, in June of 2019, Mercedes competes on her first LGBTQ-themed show. It's Rise Wrestling. The show's called Pride and Joy. In the main event, it's Mercedes versus legendary Exotico Cassandro. This was this was a full full admission. This was a tough decision for me, which one of these two matches to include on the playlist because Mercedes <laughs> versus Cassandra, well worth going and seeking out as well. It, it's a must watch. I, I'm glad that we we did Mercedes versus Kylie because I think technically it's a, probably a more impactful match. Um, you know, no for note, but the emotional impact of this match it, it is is great. And of course, seeing Cassandra anytime wrestling anytime is is uh, remarkable and, and wonderful to see but um this is really most this whole card this i love this pride and joy card there's so many great talented wrestlers on there many of whom are you know were on the uprise 
in this show and are like fully established now. Um, but yeah, this is this is a joy to watch. At the time, I'm sure, very emotional for Mercedes to be on this LGBTQ-themed wrestling show to compete in the main event against Cassandro. It might not have had quite the same effect, like emotionally, for all of the fans watching, because I'm sure there are people watching wondering why Mercedes was on an LGBTQ-themed show in the main event. Because Mercedes has always been very private about her career. We mentioned this earlier. She never shared her shoot name in interviews. She didn't have social media at this time. In 2019, she didn't have social media. That seems crazy. (laughs) And she never came out publicly. She wasn't hiding anything. Like, friends in the locker room knew. You know, people asked her, like, are you gay? She'd be like, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't hiding anything. But she never, like, talked about it in interviews anywhere. She didn't own it. She didn't shout it to the rooftops. Until this show. She does this show June 2019, and then a month later, July of 2019, during an interview, she officially comes out as gay and reveals that not only is she married, but she has a 10-year-old son, too. From that point, things start to really shuffle and kind of flip around in quick succession. August of 2019, one month later, she makes her AEW debut. It is all out. It's the Casino Battle Royale. She's the Joker, the final entry in the match. And then she's like eliminated pretty quickly and doesn't win. And then she makes a handful of appearances on AEW Dark, but they don't offer her a contract. Peculiar. (sighs) And December 2019, Sports Illustrated does their list. Top 10 women wrestlers of 2019. They put Mercedes at number 10. Again, for an independent wrestler to be on this top 10 list by Sports Illustrated, again, one of the most major mainstream magazines around, that's very telling. Yeah. She she is a working legend at this point. She is she is every bit at the top of her game. She's still working at a, a very high, high level, and it's undeniable. The Like, think of a male wrestler at this point. Think of, like, if they had achieved what she has achieved, where would they be? They'd be running a company, you know? They'd be the top of a company. And she is, they're still, like, she still isn't signed at this point. And maybe some of that is, like, you know, self, self-perpetuating. self Maybe some of that is, like, decision-making that she made. But it's, it, it's just, I don't know, I think it's really telling, even in 2019, the state of the wrestling business, Mercedes Martinez was still waiting for that phone call. With this track record that she has, with these records mm-hmm. that she's setting and every gimmick match imaginable, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, she's like she's basically the AJ Styles of the Indies at this point. But who knows? Maybe maybe that Sports Illustrated list is what it finally took. Maybe that was the endorsement that got Vince McMahon to say, okay, sign her. Because it's January 15th, 2020, that Mercedes finally signs with WWE. 20 years she's been chasing this dream. She says WWE was always the dream for her. I mean, you know, she's of a certain age where she grew up watching WWE. And when you watch that as a kid, there's a party that always wants to go there. And it couldn't have come at a better time, too. I mean, at, at, oh, my God. Everything we just said, all these matches she's doing, all these incredible performances, wrestling in different countries, setting world records. She's doing all this while working two shoot jobs. She's an overnight manager at Walmart, and she also works customer service at Home Depot. 
and wrestles. I want you to imagine that you are returning some stuff to Home Depot, maybe, you know, a home repair job and it just stuff that you didn't end up using. You're taking it back and you, you walk up to the desk and the person behind the desk who is helping you return your like pipe fittings or whatever is a working legend of the wrestling business. And you have no idea. She's just a nice woman who is helping you return your shit. She's working two jobs, Walmart and Home Depot and wrestling. She's also in the midst of a divorce. And her son, who's now 11 or 12, he's living with her ex. So her life's a little bit messy, she'll straight up admit. But WWE offers his contract and she chooses WWE over AEW because she thinks WWE will challenge her more as a wrestler. They'll kind of force her to grow. And honestly, it's important to remember, AEW doesn't have a TV deal yet at this time. So it's AEW is still very much in their infancy too. You know, it's not the AEW of today. And when she signs, Triple H himself apologizes to her that they didn't sign her earlier. Yeah, you should apologize, Hunter. So she's here. She's arrived. She's in WWE. She goes to the black and gold brand, as everybody does. It's not an indictment about her that she starts in NXT. Smojo started in NXT. Everybody does. Well, and at this era of NXT, it doesn't even really mean developmental. It just means that this is the this is the starting gate. January 2020, she debuts on NXT in a battle royal. A couple weeks later, she makes her first Royal Rumble appearance, which, again, is like a quick testament to how, like, they were like, yeah, put her in that match right away. Let's go. February 2020, she gets gets her first uh, singles victory on NXT over Casey Cannizzaro. And then does nothing, honestly. I was watching NXT at this time, and that spring of 2020, she does nothing. She beats Casey Cannizzaro once, and then four months go by, five months go by, and she does nothing important, nothing significant. Yeah. Like we said, like, like you so astutely pointed out, the time for her to be in NXT was two years prior. They have her, and she's one of the greats, and I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, oh my God, all these dream matches in my head. There's so much great talent here they can put her with, and they're not doing anything with her. Finally, July 2020, they decide to give her a story, and her story is she joins the Robert Stone brand. This is the former Robbie E. from Impact and rookie Aaliyah. They're, they're a jobber duo. Aaliyah loses, like, her record is like 1 in 17 at this point in time. Robbie E. is a joke comedy manager and they decide that's what we're gonna do with mercedes we're gonna put her with those two i get it in that like maybe they're thinking mercedes would be the one to finally pull Leah to the next level and like we can actually do something with Leah, who's been kicking tires here for years maybe that's the thought process but it doesn't make mercedes look like a big deal being saddled with these two schmucks and she's only saddled with them for two months before she loses a cage match to rhea ripley and gets kicked out of the robert stone brand she gets kicked out of the jobber group the jobbers <sighs> kick her out. Now, okay, okay. Now, that one has a purpose. That's just to get her out of NXT, to write her off of storylines there, because she's getting called up. They've they realized they've got nothing for Mercedes in NXT, and also she's been wrestling 20 years. Why why wait? Let's just put her on the main roster. Let's get That's her right. on Raw. Let's do something with her. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna give her you know major runs. She's gonna challenge for the title. She's gonna she's gonna be taking on everybody, right? Like this is Mercedes Martinez. This is Mercedes Martinez. Everybody knows Mercedes. Even WWE fans know the name Mercedes Martinez. They've seen her in the Mae Young Classic. They saw Michael Cole rave about her match against Mako Satamura. 
you know women in that locker room are like itching. Come on, Mercedes versus Sasha Banks, Mercedes versus Bailey, Mercedes versus Asuka. It would be it would have been enough for me to start watching WWE again. <laughs> oh my god! You, if they had given her a real run, I might have watched Monday Night Raw. Me. Instead. September 14th, 2020, Mercedes debuts on Raw as a group, as a member of a group called Retribution. These are five wrestlers. They all wear black kind of street clothes and masks. They have goofy names like T-Bar and Slapjack. Yeah. And okay. the group as a whole is ostensibly a, a ripoff, a, a, an homage, I guess, to Black Lives Matter and Antifa. But because it's Vince McMahon in charge, they're heels. These are bad people. Mm, we do not like these thugs and criminals. And like like with Wrestlelicious, it's a, it's a talented roster. Retribution, Dominic Dijak, Shane Thorne, Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez. These are great wrestlers you could do a lot of stuff with. If you don't, stick them under goofy masks and give them names like T-Bar uh, I, I included a promo from Retribution. I think their debut promo on the playlist. Em, what did you think? Oh, why did you make me watch this? I mean, so quick takeaways from me were that other, there's five of them in the in the shot, but it's Mercedes and Dominic Dijak who do all the voice work. And I thought that was interesting that they trusted Mercedes to do half the promo here over Mia Yam over Shane Thorne. Yeah, I mean, honestly... Were it not WWE, something like this could work. And I think it is cool that it is a mixed-gendered faction. Um, you know I'm all about that. But just because I know it's WWE, that branding and visual cues and the way that they are being positioned from the get-go, it's just really uncomfortable. And that's how Mercedes feels, honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah, rightfully so. Like, she's a smart, intelligent, informed woman. She sees the Black Lives Matter reference points. She sees that they're clearly basing this on Antifa. And she doesn't like that. Like, why does that make us heels? Why are we being positioned as heels because of that? And that's something else that take away from that promo video we watched. So weird for the heel Black Lives Matter inspired group. Their first feud is with the all-black stable, the Hurt Business. Very weird as well. And it, it's such a weird mixed message. And Retribution and... has a mix of personalities, right? You've got uh, black people like Dio Madden and Mia Yim. You've got Latina representation like Mercedes. You've got Asian representation like Mia Yim. So they're a diverse group themselves. It's just there's so much about this which is like not not cool. <laughs> Yeah. Again, in another promotion with with different with different framing, I could see something like this being interesting. Um, but there's just there's no room for subtlety or um, nuance in WWE. So you end up with something that is just obviously playing on its audiences like boogeyman fears of Antifa's coming and they're going to hurt everybody. So from the start, Mercedes is uncomfortable with this. She doesn't love the obvious reference points, but she tells herself, look, um, I'm going to be under a mask. They're not going to notice me. I guess it's okay, you know, if I, like, keep under a mask and whatever. They, like, unmask her a week later. 
<sighs> and on the day of the show, like an hour before she's supposed to go to the ring, they say, oh, by the way, uh, your new name is Retaliation. And she's like, why? What? <sighs> why would you rename Mercedes Martinez? I thought the whole I thought the whole reason you signed me is because you wanted Mercedes Martinez to wrestle for the WWE. Isn't that the point? You didn't rename AJ Styles. You didn't rename Samoa Joe. You didn't rename Adam Cole. Why are you calling me Retaliation? For 20 years, she's been wrestling. And outside of that weird stint with Wrestleicious, she's always been Mercedes Martinez. She's always looked like herself. She's always presented as herself. She's always embraced. This is who I am. That That's that's her brand. She is Mercedes Martinez. What, what, and from a business perspective, why would you ever rename someone who carries the clout and the audience impact? They know who she is. They watch your product. Imagine a record label, Warner Brothers, says, <laughs> we're signing you two to a new three-album contract, but we're changing your name. Like, what? <laughs> you don't do that. Why would you do that? What's the point? Yeah, in, unless unless you weren't going anywhere and had no no name recognition. Like, you know, if you were if you were the Joneses and nobody knew who you were and then you were like, oh, no, we're going to rename you and then to make you real famous. But but the name but her name is already established. <laughs> like it would be like if you renamed AJ Styles today. So the NXT wrestlers are all presented with new raw contracts for them to sign more money, you know, bigger, more dates, pay-per-views, that sort of thing. And Mercedes says, you know what? No, thanks. I, I, I'm, I don't want to do this. And she doesn't sign the contract and they send her back to NSD. Good, good, good for her. Good. Two months pass before she returns to NXT television and she returns as a heel attacking women's champion Io Shirai. And again, I was watching NXT at this point and I was like, here we go. Thank you. Mercedes Martinez and Io Shirai one-on-one. That is a dream match. I cannot wait for that. And then they stick Tony Storm in there randomly, and it becomes a triple threat, and it's an okay match, but it's you know it's a triple threat. It's triple threat's never going to be as good as a one-on-one. Especially if you're talking about Mercedes Martinez, who like the, you know not that she can't shine in in any type of match, but like a singles competition is where she is known and where she owns the ring and Io Shirai as well like Io Shirai dynamite tag wrestler has worked in money tags but just you're right a triple threat match is just never going to be what a what a dynamite singles match it could be so they have this three-way match on an XT takeover Io pins Mercedes to win the match and Mercedes goes back to doing nothing nothing of important four months go by again Mercedes is just hanging out Four months later, in that summer, um, they decide we're going to give you a new feud. Okay, we'll have you start feuding with Xia Li. You beat Xia Li in the first round of the Mayan Classic. We can pull on that history. This kind of, I guess, makes sense. It's a bit of a gatekeeper role for Mercedes, but it makes sense to use her in the ring with the very young green wrestlers and help elevate them. Well, yeah, and it's something that she excels at. So I could, I actually don't see a fault with this. Except when the wrestlers are so green that they injure you during a match. Yes, except for that. When Xia hits her with an unprotected kick to the head, knocking Mercedes out cold in the middle of the ring. She's taken to the hospital with a concussion. Um, and they decide, okay, well, I guess this is going to be a babyface turn when she gets back. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, 
if something like this is going to happen, and it, it sucks when this happens because it, it, it sucks when anyone doesn't work totally safe or when, when these type of, like, you know, botched and injuries happen. But when something like this happens and you can make a storyline out of it, it makes all the sense in the world to do so. So this should be a moment where this feud becomes really major, right? Instead, Mercedes is released by WWE on August 6th, 2021. Now, to her credit, it's not just her. No, it's the big purge. There's about a dozen wrestlers released. Her, Taya Valkyrie, a bunch of other people. And one month later, NXT becomes NXT 2.0. Yes, if, if everyone remembers so so long ago, uh, this was a big cleaning house, so to speak, of a lot of people who were hired um, in that last era of Hunter's supervision, and he would be removed from NXT as well. And yeah, so this was not on her, but it sucks because they could have made uh, lemonade out of lemons here. There's so much that Mercedes could have done WWE. It was her dream. 20 years, 20 years more when, since she was watching as a kid. She dropped to be in there and she was there for a couple of years. And this is what she does, you know, the Robert Stone brand with Aaliyah, retribution for a couple of weeks and then injured by Zaylee. And that's her WWE career. It's a really imperfect analogy, but I was always, I, when I first got into college football because of my partner, I asked him why, you know, major pe- players from college, you know, guys who, who win the Heisman Trophy, the, you know, people who do so well, why do many of them not make it in professional football, like in like, you know, NFL? And it's a layered and complicated vision. A lot of times it's just that the player's style and the player's strengths don't suit whatever trends and strengths are following in the NFL at that time. And they don't get seized on by the right team and, or they get, you know, they get drafted, but they don't get, you know, they don't do much in their first couple of years. And with a, I think about this with Mercedes because, you know, someone like her has won the biggest prizes in women's wrestling that are available to a wrestler in North America and has done, you know, international work and has wrestled against women who are, who are now like in higher profile positions than her, but she's been wrestling longer and maybe even trained them. And so what causes that disconnect? What, what creates a situation where once she's finally in that professional position, when she's in that big promotion, when she's in WWE, what, what happens that a star doesn't rise from that? And I think it's just when you don't book somebody and you don't, you don't give them long-term stories and you don't let them do and excel at what they do and excel at, then you, you don't get the most out of them. And that really encapsulates her time in WWE. So post WWE, she's back in the Indies and she says, I'm just going to wrestle anywhere that will have me. She thinks about getting a day job, going back to Walmart or Home Depot. I mean, health insurance is obviously always a nice bonus. But until that becomes an absolute necessity, she decides, let's just wrestle. And at the time, on Renee Paquette's podcast, Mercedes tells her, I don't think I'll ever sign with a major promotion again. The indies are where I belong. Two months after being released by WWE, Mercedes debuts for Impact Wrestling. Crazy to think, in this 20-year career, she had never wrestled for Impact. <laughs> she, just, she just managed to avoid them somehow not avoid them but just like you know they're just their paths never crossed but October of 2021 she debuts for Impact in a trios tag and then it's the knockouts knockdown pay-per-view a one-night tournament 
Mercedes defeats Brandy Lauren, Rachel Elving, and Tasha Steeles to win the tournament and earn a Knockouts Championship match. She gets that title match a month later, November, at Turning Point. She loses to Mickey James. It happens. And then January of 2022, she faces Deanna Perrazzo in her final Impact match. This is her final Impact match because a couple weeks prior to this, despite what she told Renee, Mercedes signs with AEW. It was December 29th, 2021. She reappears on Dynamite, helping Jade Cargill defeat Thunder Rosa. And Mercedes is officially under contract to AEW now. Now, a little bit of deja vu to WWE because she debuts, she helps Jade defeat Rosa, and then four months pass and she doesn't do a heck of a lot. <laughs> She's just kind of just kind of around, you know, people love to sign her and then they don't know what to do with her. For some reason, they don't just want to put her in great wrestling matches and let her feud with wrestlers. Well, you need to have a promotion that is that has a women's division that you're willing to invest time and energy in as far as letting these matches happen and um, trusting that your wrestlers can get over by by the talent that they show in the ring. And AEW, not great at that. <laughs> but by April of 2022, AEW has acquired Ring of Honor and Mercedes is booked to defeat Willow Nightingale at ROH Supercard of Honor to become interim ROH Women's Champion, whatever that means. A month later, on Dynamite, Mercedes versus Deanna Perrazzo to crown the ROH Women's Champion. They love these interim championships. So it's Mercedes versus Deanna for the ROH Women's title on AEW Dynamite in the main event. Should be a huge, massive deal. This is this is two of the best women wrestlers going today. They're in the main event of weekly TV when the women rarely get outside of the 9-15 slot. But there's no build to this. There's no build. There's no heat on this match, really. Why do AEW fans care about the ROH Women's Championship? They have, they've been given no reason to care about the ROH title. Unlike the other ROH title... Uh, uh, unlike everything else that has been put up for play, there is no build with this women's title in AEW. So uh, that's understandable because, you know, they're not attaching Britt Baker's name to it. It's Deanna's first match for AEW. Should be a big deal. Mercedes is challenging for the ROH women's title, despite the fact at this time, Mercedes Martinez has never won a match on AEW television. Maybe that's the reason the fans are a little lukewarm about this too. It's like, hey, we know these two legends, but... We've literally never seen this woman win a match before. Also, yeah, exactly. Like, we don't... W- one of these women was, like, a hired hand who stuck around, who's playing that. And the other has never been here before. She doesn't go to school here. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it it's such weird booking because... And I think that they were trying to trust that the match itself would get the audience in. And if, they, if you watch this match, it's a great... It's, it's a really good match. It's just... Because the crowd is kind of having a hard time buying into this, it, and of course it's the end of the, the episode, so of course it's been, already been a long night, um, it's just, it's there's something missed there because the audience investment isn't there. And there's a long commercial break, like two minutes into the match. I don't yeah. know why you can't get all the commercials taken care of before the match starts. I've seen other promotions do that. Yeah, and, and in this case, main eventing it was actually, I think, kind of a disservice. I know that that is weird coming from me, but 
I actually think this is the type of match that would have sold better earlier in the evening. Not at the 920 spot, but like, you know, maybe you're looking at your 830. In the end, though, John Frazzo taps to a Dragon Sleeper. Mercedes Martinez wins her first AEW match and also the ROH Women's Championship, a championship that didn't exist when she wrestled for ROH back in 2006. Mm-hmm. But in a way, is another one of these titles that she's kind of been chasing for years, just like the Shimmer title and the Shine title. I think more than even titles, what we've been chasing with Mercedes Martinez is for her to become the wrestling star that she is and that everyone understands her to be. But, you know, maybe in this business, you have legends and they're not always going to be legends who are making the top paychecks or, you know, getting the top pay-per-view slots for WWE. In a lot of cases, legends just keep working. Now, history would tell us that Mercedes is fated to lose the ROH title to a former take partner. <laughs> I don't have any suggestions at the moment, but we'll see if uh, if Shayna Baszler or Nicole Savoy or Eva Lise resurface and try to take it from her. <laughs> and look, we've got a record um, to break here. So again, Tony Khan, 80-minute Iron Man match, Mercedes Martinez and... Uh, any number of stars that you have available at your fingertips. Now, AD is going to be pushing it because in the four weeks since Mercedes has won the title, she's competed exclusively on AEW Dark, defending the title in five-minute matches. It's a living. <laughs> As to the future, though, Mercedes still, when asked about like dream matches, she says she'd love to do a pure rules match. Which, you know, she's in ROH now. Seems like a possibility. Mercedes versus Trisha Dora in a pure rules match. Mm. Book it. Book it. And her dream opponent, still unfulfilled, is Natalia. She really thought when she signed with WWE that it was going to finally happen. And then really she never got the that. chance. Come on. Natalia's worked everybody. When the day comes that Mercedes can't perform in the ring anymore... She wants to be behind the scenes. She wants to help mentor the next generation of women. In a 2018 interview with Diva Dirt, she says, If I never make it to the big leagues and get that contract that I want, I'm going to make sure I help the next person get there and not make the mistakes that maybe I did. I want to make sure they have the tools, knowledge, and experience to get to that next level and stay there. If I can help them get there, then that's more of an accomplishment to me than winning any title. That's where I want to leave my legacy. If I have a match with you, I want to make sure I make you look like a star. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. Thank you for all of the support. For people who support us on Patreon at $1, $5, or $10, we'll be having a poll posted in the next week or two asking you who you would like to see on the next installment of Living Legends coming probably in July or August. 
Yeah, so you can support us at Patreon. And remember, when you support Grit and Glitter on Patreon, you're not just giving me and Harley money to buy copies of Shimmer DVDs because they're still not available in streaming. You are giving us money that we put right back into the wrestling ecosystem. We have sponsored Enjoy Wrestling. We have sponsored Wrestlers Lab and many others. So when you support us, we can support them. $1, $5, $10 a month, lots of perks, extra podcasts, weekly newsletters, all kinds of things. So join our gang there, patreon.com, Pod, And yeah, but if you can't, we'll keep doing this podcast for free. Living Legends is an especially um, joyful thing for us to participate in. So we hope you're enjoying these episodes. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, funny jokes, or references or recommendations for us, email us gritandglitterpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter. Next week on the show, Glitterati member JR returns chatting with the big gal, Erica Lee, and Big Dust about their YouTube movie review series, Birds on Film.